from the prophet Jeremiah. Babylon hath been a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunken. The nations have drunken of her wine, therefore the nations are mad. Babylon is suddenly fallen and destroyed. How for her? Take balm for her, if so be she may be healed. We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her, and let us go everyone into his own country. For her judgment reaches unto heaven, and is lifted up even to the skies. O thou that dwellest upon many waters, abundant in treasures, thy end is come, and the measure of thy covetousness. Greetings. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives. That's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, we're going to be talking a little bit about this uh, great American eclipse today. I'm going to share an interesting article with you from uh, the end of the American Dream.com by Michael Snyder. But before we get to the points that he's making about the eclipse and all of that, we got to kind of take a step backwards. And we need to look at Revelation 18, which we have done many a many a times on this broadcast. Before I do that, let me just give you a little bit of background about the podcast that you're listening to and how we got to doing what we do today, and it's all relevant to our study this morning. This podcast actually started off as a podcast that was talking about some of the developments going on in the world, uh, economically, politically, those types of things. I was uh, convinced that the American economy was going to collapse and uh, as a result, uh, and I still believe this to this day, that would create a ripple effect in the world, and we would have economic, complete economic failure, famine, death, war, all those things globally, as a result of the American econ economy collapsing, because so much of the, world, the world's economy, economy is dependent on it. A lot of the people around the world don't understand this. Uh, I see messages from people, you know, death to America, and uh, people from other nations who celebrate this idea of America being Babylon and America burning. What they don't understand is that if that were to happen today, they, the nations them, that they live in themselves would also have an economic fallout. And I think that this can be seen uh, in the scriptures. Let me continue to back up. So that's what this podcast started as. Me talking about the economy, those types of things. I was podcasting for a precious metal company. Um, that's kind of how... So I was a podcaster even before that, but I was podcasting about 
other things, internet marketing, stuff like that. And I started, I got a job with this precious metal company, and we thought it would be a cool idea since I had the background in podcasting to podcast about the economy and why people should buy precious metals. That's what it started as. Through my research is when I discovered how volatile the economy actually was, and that sent me down the rabbit hole, if you will. Long story short, uh, I was uh, released from that job, to put it politely, and I took the pod. I just started podcasting on my own. Continued the same topic. But I was also researching it and looking at it from a biblical perspective. I've, as far back as I can remember, uh, as like a 20-year-old, Bible prophecy had been something that I was extremely interested in, even though I didn't grow up as a Christian or any of those things. What I started to realize, or started to believe was that, well, let me put it this way. I found it astounding, the impact that America has on the world today. And I began to think to myself, if this is the end of days, or we're approaching the end of days, how is it that a country like the United States of America, who has impacted the entire world with all kinds of good and bad advancements as far as technology and military and what we we can basically control the world's economy uh, through the trade of oil being pegged to the dollar and all those things. How could this not be in the Bible? And that led me down more studies. And I came to believe... America is in the Bible, and actually the Bible has a lot to say about this country in the last days. Unfortunately, I believe that the United States is known as Mystery Babylon. And other scriptures also, I just opened the broadcast out of Jeremiah, speak of Babylon. And when it comes to prophecy, I believe in what you would call a now and later fulfillment. In other words, if Jeremiah is writing to Babylon in his day, I believe there was a immediate or near prophetic meaning for those people in that time. And then there would be a fulfillment later to the Babylon of the last days. And that's kind of how I view prophecy. Now, we're going to look at Revelation 18, and I'm just—I've done this dozens of times on this broadcast. But we're going to look at it, and I'm going to just explain to you why I believe what I believe. I will acknowledge that I am fully aware of the studies, and I have seen them. I have sifted through them. I have spent hours on them that believe and teach that Mystery Babylon is Jerusalem, Mystery Babylon is Rome. I have looked at that information. I don't need any more links. I'm very familiar with it. Um, I'm not arrogant about my position, meaning 
I believe that the people who believe it could be those other things have valid points and it's a valid belief and it's certainly possible. This is what I believe. This is what I believe that God has shown me over the years. This is why the podcast exists. I became to believe this and I thought I have to warn not just my brethren and the people of the United States, but the whole world about this truth. And that's why I transitioned from talking news and economy and started preaching Bible prophecy and the gospel and all of these things. That's how we got here 10 years later. It's because of Revelation 18. Revelation 18 is the reason I started teaching scripture. So with that little bit of a backdrop, a little history there, we're going to have a look at it. Revelation 18, then we're going to talk about the eclipse, and then we're going to be looking at some prophecies from Nahum and Jonah, and then I'm going to end uh, with an audio clip uh, that some of you have probably heard, many of you probably haven't, uh, that you might find interesting. All right, let's start by digging into Revelation 18. King James Bible, and we're going to go line by line. And just give you some thoughts. And if you don't believe that this is talking about the United States, that's fine. I'm not trying to force you into anything. This is just what I believe and what I've believed for many, many years. All right. With that said, let's begin. Starting with Revelation 18. And after these things... I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, has become a habitation of devils, and the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich with the abundance of her delicacies. So please note, right away we see a connection with the prophecy from Jeremiah. Thousands of years before this prophecy, the, this, the John's revelation, yet it's the same imagery the same crime is that Babylon has influenced the entire world and it uses that like that visual of drunkenness they're, they're drunk with the wine in this particular case her fornication her immorality her looseness and the kings of the earth have committed this with her but very, something that's very very important to this version of mystery Bab of Babylon is it's not just the nations and the people but specifically merchants there's an economic situation here the merchants of the earth are waxed rich now if you're in if you live in the United States of America and you grew up in the United States of America you understand this concept the merchants around the world are they get rich off of American consumerism, right? 
We import, we used to be the world's largest exporter and creator of things back in America's heyday. Now we're the largest importer of everything. We import everything. Food, clothing, electronics, everything is made somewhere else and we import it. And those merchants wax rich as a result. Verse 4. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you may not be partakers of her sins, and that you receive not of her plagues. Quick note to make about this. Number one. Whatever this place is, this Babylon, there must be a significant amount of God's people there. Which is why he's saying, come out of her. The second note I'll say is, I believe this is supernatural. Whatever this protection is. Jesus says in the last days, you know, it'll be like the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And we've been through this over and over, but one of the significant things is the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed after Lot was removed from the city. The world was flooded after Noah was shut in the boat. There's some type of protection happening here. And he he says, this is the reason why my people need to come out and not partake. Verse 5, for her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she has rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works in the cup which she has filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, I will see no sorrow. So however great and abundant that she has been, that's the measure in which her torment is going to come. Now I want you to think about the United States. How much wealth and abundance she she hasn't enjoyed. If this is talking about her, imagine the level of torment and sorrow it would take to equal that measure. And something interesting to point out about Babylon here is that she doesn't think any of these things are possible. I said, as a queen, I am no widow. I I shall see no sorrow. America could never fall. Verse 8, Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death, mourning, famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. This is the other important thing to note. This is not some gradual build-up. One day. And one day her judgments come. Let's continue on. Verse 9. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning, standing afar off for the fear of her torment, saying, Alas, alas, the great city Babylon, that mighty city, for in one hour thy judgment is come. So we have two things happening here. We'll get to the second one here in verse 11. But in verse 9 and 10, the kings of the world who have enjoyed this relationship with her are going to wail. 
I believe the great city very well could be New York City. And the reason I believe that is for a few reasons. Number one, at one point, and some could argue even now, it was the economic center of the world. It's where the UN headquarters are. And New York City is the city that people think about when they think about the the greatest city in the United States. And additionally, New York City has a suburb called Babylon. Verse 11, and I think this is incredibly important. The merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her for no man buyeth her merchandise anymore. You see, here's the economic problem. The merchants around the world are going to weep saying, who's going to buy our stuff now? You see, when America falls and you say, well, I don't believe that America is Babylon. Okay, but it's still the same. If America were to fall today, the economies around the world would topple. And the merchants around the world who their whole business model was based off American consumerism, think China as an example, it's all coming down. And they're going to be whale. Verse 12, And the merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all tie in wood and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner of vessels of precious wood and brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and adores and anointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beast and sheep and horses and chariots and slaves and the souls of men. I've always found that interesting about the slaves and the soul of men, but I think about human trafficking. And I think about the human trafficking that happens at massive events like the Super Bowl, as an example. Verse 14. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The emergence of these things which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Please note, the Bible talks about purple and scarlet and these things. It People just immediately assume like Rome or the Vatican or something like that. The Bible uses this imagery throughout just to talk about status and wealth and power. For in one hour, so great riches come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the companies and ships and sailors and many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, the great city wherein we were made rich, and all the ships in the sea, and by reason of costliness, for in one hour she is made desolate. So that's the world's response. But look at heaven's response, verse 20. Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her and a mighty mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea saying thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all 
and the voice of the harpers and musicians and pipers and trumpeters shall be heard no more at all in thee. No craftsman, whatsoever craft he be, shall be found any more in thee, and the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. Here's a very important part. Again, we got two more verses here, but I want you to remember verse 4. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. And I made the point, this is obviously a place where there's a significant amount of God's people for this to be mentioned. Well, it's even taken a step further. Verse 23, talking about her destruction and what will not be found in her anymore. And the light of a candle shall no more at all be in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. When I think of the bridegroom and the bride, there's two possible thoughts here. But I think because it says the voice of the bridegroom, we're not talking about like um, people won't be getting married there anymore. I think we're talking about who's the who's the bridegroom and who has a voice. I think that's talking about Messiah and the bride is talking about his children. The voice of the bride and the bride shall be bridegroom shall be heard no more in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of earth. And for by the sorceries were all the nations deceived. So, whoever Babylon is, they have great merchants. I think about Apple. I think about Microsoft. I think about the tech entities like Facebook and Twitter. And all these giants that influence the world. And it says that by their sorceries, all the nations were deceived. We've been over this before. The word sorcery there is pharmakia. It's where we derive the word pharmaceuticals from. I don't know what the percentage of Americans that are on some type of pharmaceutical drug are, but it's extraordinarily high. It's shockingly high. And then there was found the blood of the prophets and the saints and all that were slain upon the earth. I don't know for certain that this is talking about the United States. But I do believe it is. I should also note, I don't want this to be true. This is my homeland. These are my people. There's churches on every corner. There is a lot of good here in spite of all the evil that's here. And make no mistake, the evil that is here is beyond wicked. It really is a habitation of devils. But think about wheat and tares. That's what it's like here in the United States. For those of you who aren't from here and you're just curious, it's like wheat and tares growing together. Tangled, entangled by each other. I don't know how God can create the separation and somehow preserve and spare his people while he's at the same time bringing wrath. The type of destruction described here in Revelation 18 that happens in one day, I don't know how. It would, it would definitely take a supernatural miracle of God because we all live amongst each other like wheat and tares. You know, I had the privilege of... I was born in 1981. I had the privilege of growing up in the United States of America as a child 
and experienced the 80s and 90s. It was an incredible time to be alive in the United States. It was a, it was a great time. I'm 40, going on 43 years old, so I have an interesting lifespan as it pertains to American culture because I had the 80s and 90s growing up. I graduated in the year 2000 as an 18-year-old man. 2001, I would have been 19, that's when things really started to get weird. And it, got, and it just continued to get progressively weird until we are where we are today, where I don't recognize this place or this culture, or the people. It's just bizarre clown world now here in the United States. But that first 20 years wasn't like that. It was like somebody flipped a switch. One of the things that happened around that same time was the technology boom. You know, I was 20 years old, 21 years old, before I had a cell phone and internet. So I've kind of split... I, I lived half of my life where there was no real internet access and wireless phones and all this stuff, and half of my life in it. So I know very well the contrast and the differences. I've spent half of my life in both worlds, and it's, it's literally like that. It feels like two different worlds or two different countries... It, it was like I moved from one place to another place, even though I never left the Midwest. It's, 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 it's really strange. And my heart breaks for those born after the year 2000. They didn't get to experience what life was like before everything was manipulated through a screen. They didn't know what it was like to be able to run around and ride your bikes with other kids all over town because it was safe and nobody was worried and your parents were just like, be home before dark. <laughs> all they've known is this strange, bizarre world filled with manipulation and propaganda around every corner. They didn't get to know the real America. So with that... Now we can move on to this great eclipse that's coming. I'll just start right out from the gate and say I believe that it is an omen. Maybe the last warning. Before I read the article, I just want to be clear about what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that the day of the eclipse something crazy is going to happen. I actually don't believe that. I believe that these things are signs. By the way, the book of Genesis tells us that these things are for signs. So it's not weird to acknowledge them as such. But I do think that it's a warning that it's you're, you're at the end. Repent now. Draw near to God now. Time is short. That's what I really believe. Could I be wrong? Of course. I'm just telling you what I believe. Here's what the article says. Written by Michael Snyder. He's got an interesting thing to share with us. He says, I'm going to share something truly amazing with you in this article. And once again, a lot of naysayers will be out there and we'll dismiss it as a coincidence. That really doesn't mean anything. But how is it possible that such a vast number of coincidences just happened to take place in April of 2024? 
Last Friday, I told you, told my core supporters about amazing discovery regarding how the sun, moon, and the seven other planets in our solar system will be aligned during the Great American Eclipse. In this article, I'm going to focus on seven specific locations. So here's the crux, crutch of it. The apparently this the on August twenty first, two thousand seventeen, there was a eclipse that so that was seven years ago that came across the United States, and it came it, and in the path of the eclipse were seven cities named Salem. You had Salem, Oregon, Salem, Idaho, Salem, Wyoming, Nebraska, Missouri, Kentucky, and South Carolina. That's an interesting. Just something interesting. Salem, obviously, is short for Jerusalem. That's where we get that name. This particular time, so this coming April, the path of the eclipse crosses over seven U.S. cities named Nineveh. Nineveh, Texas. Nineveh, Missouri. Nineveh, Indiana. Nineveh, Ohio. Pennsylvania. Virginia. And New York. Eight, if you count a city named Nineveh in Canada. But I don't think that that's the point here. This is super, super interesting. And by the way, this eclipse is getting more attention than anything that I've seen in a long time. I'm seeing, I live here in the Midwest where it's going to be most prominent. We, our schools are letting out early. Because of all the traffic and people coming in to these areas like Indiana to view the eclipse. Schools are letting out. Uh, I'm seeing billboards. Some of them created by churches warning about it. There's something significant about this. Again, I don't expect anything to happen on the day. But I think it's, I think it's the last great warning. I truly, truly believe this. I don't think it's a coincidence about the Nineveh thing. Now, Nineveh. You all know the story of Jonah, right? Let me give you ten verses out of Jonah chapter 3. And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the second time saying, Arise, go into Nineveh, that great city, preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went into Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was the exceedingly great city of three days' journey, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So Jonah goes in, and so that's his sermon. you got forty days to get it together, or it's over. Now at that time, Nineveh responded, and so the people of Nineveh, verse 5, believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. For a word came unto the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, and he laid his robe from him, and he covered with sackcloth, and he sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by a decree of the king and his noble saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water. But let every man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? And God saw their works that they turned away from their evil ways. And God repented of the evil 
that he had said he would do unto them, and he did not. So the people of Nineveh repented, and there was a reprieve. Now that reprieve was short-lived. Historically, I think it was around 100 years. And then they were destroyed. So the question becomes, well, what was the crime? Now there's lots of speculation. We're not going to go with speculations and history books. We're just going to read what the Bible has to say about Nineveh. And the prophet Nahum prophesies to them, and we get a, we get kind of a uh, some insight on what the problem was with Nineveh. So let's have a look at Nahum chapter three, and see if we can get some uh, ideas here. Nahum three. Here's what it says: Woe to the bloody city! It is full of lies and robbery. The prey departeth not. The noise of a whip, the noise of rattling of wheels, and the prancing horses and the jumping chariots. The horsemen lifted up both the bright sword and the glittering spear, and there is a multitude of slain and a great number of carcasses, and there is no end of their corpses. They stumble upon the corpses. Why? Why is this happening? Because of the multitude, verse 4, of the whoredoms, of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcrafts, that selleth nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcrafts. Listen, it's the exact same thing being described in Revelation 18. It's deceiving the nations through whoredoms, through sorcery. Selleth the nations through her whoredoms and the families through her witchcraft. That's what God is furious about. It's the pushing perversion, right? Whoredoms, harlotry, and sorceries on the nations. Behold, I am against thee, saith the Lord of hosts, and I will, dis- I will discover thy skirts upon thy face, and I will show the nations thy nakedness and the kingdoms thy shame. In other words, it's all going to come to light. And I will cast an abominable filth upon thee and make thee vile, and I will set thee as a gazing stock. And it shall come to pass that they all shall look upon thee and flee from thee and say, Nineveh is laid waste. Who will bemoan her? When shall I seek comforts for her? Art thou better than populous? No. That was sititute among the rivers and the waters around about it, whose rampart was the sea, and her wall was from the sea. I'm not going to go any further. Uh, you can go read Nahum chapter 3. It's, that's pretty much what the whole book is about. Um, what I wanted to get at was what was the crime here? And the crime is verse 4. Because of the multitudes of her whoredoms, of the well-favored harlot, the mistress of witchcraft, that sell nations through her whoredoms and families through her witchcraft. These are not podcasts that I enjoy doing. Like I said, I don't think that the eclipse itself means, watch out, we're going to have a massive earthquake that day. Certainly could. But I think it's kind of like the last warning. When Jonah came into the city and gave the last warning to Nineveh, they had 40 days. Again, I don't do the dates thing, but somebody's going to ask, what's 40 days from the day of the eclipse? That'd be Saturday, May 18th. I'm not expecting anything on that day either. 
uh, but people are going to ask. So what's my end conclusion to the podcast? Regardless of what you believe about Revelation 18, we have entered into clown world. We have entered into a very dangerous time in human history. You are out of time when it comes to getting right with God. It's really a now or never situation. The world is in turmoil and it's not going to get better. The time for goofing around, being distracted, being caught up in drunkenness, being caught up in sinful behavior and sinful thoughts. and It's time to get serious about your relationship with God. You are out of time. Get it together. Repent of your sins. Walk in righteousness and holiness. And as the Bible says, for which no man will st- without will stand before the Lord. Go read Second Peter. You want something to study this week? Go read Second Peter. You want to know how to behave, what righteousness and holiness looks like as a Christian? Go read First, Second, and Third John. He makes it very clear. Go read the general epistles. This is Peter, James, Jude, John. Read the general epistles. Many Christians have been deceived into, and we talked about this earlier this week, they've been deceived into thinking that behavior doesn't matter, they've got the liberty and freedom. Go read the general epistles and tell me what your freedom looks like. There's an expectation on you. There's a thing called bearing fruit. And a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Get your life right. The Apostle Paul says, examine yourselves daily. Make sure you're in the faith. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. John and his epistles. This is how we know we love God. That we obey his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. This is, we don't have much time left. There's not much time to warn. I said it towards the end of last year, and I said it at the beginning of this year. This year, I've had it on my heart to get back to talking about these prophetic things. And I think the reason is because that's where we are. That's all I have for you today. I know this is going to rub some people the wrong way, and we're going to have all the experts come into the comments to give their uh, exhortations and teach me why I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to be reading those, so you're wasting your breath. This is for those who have ears to hear. I'm going to leave you with an audio clip. This is an audio clip from a man... In 1984, his name was Dimitri Dudeman. Some of you have heard of him. He was a Romanian uh, who was he was a Romanian evangelist who was persecuted in his country for smuggling Bibles into Romania and into Russia. He ends up in the United States, finds his situation and circumstances to be even worse, and then he asks God, "Why have you brought me to this place?" And he has a vision. 
and you might find his vision to be shocking. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless. It was very late at night. I was sitting outside on a rock. As Stan said, I showed him the rock when he came to my home. And I was just thinking, what did I do? I was crying so my family wouldn't see me. And all of a sudden, I saw a light coming towards me. When I saw the light, I thought it was a car. Because in Romania and in Italy, they always try to run me over with cars. So I thought, they found me here too. But it was not a car. The light surrounded me. And out of the light I heard the same voice. It was the same angel. Dimitri, why are you so despaired? Why did you punish me so harshly? What did I do? Why couldn't you let me stay in prison? But my family would have had a home. I don't have a bed to let my head down on. Why was I brought here? Dimitri, I brought you to this country because this country will burn. So why did you bring me here to burn? Why didn't you let me die in jail in my own country? He said, Dimitri, be quiet. Get beside me. I don't know what the device was, but he pulled me beside him and he showed me all of California. Do you see what I've shown you? This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sins have reached God and God has decided to punish them by fire. He came and showed me Las Vegas. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah and one day it will burn. He came and showed me New York. This is New York. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. In one day it will burn. And then he showed me Florida. This is Florida. This is a Sodom and Gomorrah. And in one day it will burn. But what will you do with me, I said. I told you to be quiet. And he brought me back to the place we left. He said, now we can talk. I brought you to this country because I love this country. I love the people in this country. And through your mouth, I want to wake up a lot of people. How can you wake them through my mouth when I can't understand anyone? You don't worry about that. I'll prepare some more for you to speak through. You reach television, radio, churches, but tell them everything I tell you. Again, he said, America will burn. But how can America burn when it's so powerful, I said. He said, tell them as I tell you. Hide nothing. If you will try to hide anything, I will punish you harshly. The Russian spies have figured out where the most powerful nuclear plants in America are. When Americans will think it's peace and quiet, and they rule the world, then from the ocean, out of Cuba, Nicaragua, Central America, Mexico, they will bombard the nuclear plants in America, and America will burn. I said, but what will you do with the church? He said, many churches have left me. I said, what do you mean? Don't you have people here? He said, tell them this. People glorify people. The honor that Christ deserves. Men take upon themselves. In the church, there's divorce. There's adultery. There's sodomy. 
There's abortion and all kinds of sin. And Christ will not live in sin. Christ lives in holiness. And I brought you here that you cry out loud. Tell them to stop sinning and to repent. Because God never stops forgiving. Amen? And all those who will stop sinning and who will repent. God will save in the day of trouble. How can he save them if America burns, I said. He said, tell them this. As I saved Daniel from the lions, this is how I will save them. As I saved the three lions from the furnace, this is how I will save them. And the word of God says this, one thousand will fall to your side, and ten thousand to your right, yet no man will touch you, because we are protected by the power of God, and the angels of God are around those that fear him. But brother, your life must be clean. Amen. If you are truly the angel of God, everything you say to me must be written in the Bible. If it is, then I can say this to the Americans. If it's not in the Bible, I won't say a word. Have you read Jeremiah? Yes, I have. Did you read Jeremiah 51? Of course I have. What did you understand? That speaks about the old Babylon, I said. He said, read again. Read again. Because it speaks about America, not Babylon of old. Have you read Revelation 18? I said, yes, it's also about Babylon. He said, read it again. I will open your mind and you will understand. Brothers, let's read out of Jeremiah 51. We'll start with verse 7. And it says, Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand that made all the earth drunk. The nations drank her wine, therefore the nations are deranged. Amen. Babylon was a golden cup in the Lord's hand. Now, are the Arabs Babylon? Those that don't even believe in God? Let's try to understand. Who is Babylon? At one point, David says, Your word, O Lord, is more precious than gold. America had the word of God in its hand. America trusted in God. America had missionaries. America spread the gospel throughout the world. Many people came to God. But America itself fell from the truth. And we ask ourselves, has America fallen from the truth, brothers? And further down it says we would have healed Babylon. But she is not healed. Forsake her, everyone. For her, her punishment is near. So that we know it is America. We'll jump to verse 13. O you who dwell by many waters, abundant in treasure, your end has come, the measure of your covetousness. Again, you who dwell by great waters, abundant in treasure, your end has come, 
Surely I will fill you with menace with locusts who will shout cries of war against you. Which country is filled with men? Which country does everyone come to? Who wants to immigrate to Iraq, to Hussein's country? But ask other people who wants to immigrate to America. Because they see that all the good things come from America. Oh, that's where God is. As I once thought, I thought God directed the dead in this country. I would never have believed such wickedness could exist here.